Alrighty, well, it is hard to believe we're starting week three already of the year, and it's wonderful to see you at church this morning. Our opening series of 2023 is called Firm Foundation, and we've been looking at a set of four verses at the end of Ephesians chapter 2. So far, we've talked about the household of God and built upon the foundation, and today we're going to see Fitly Framed. And so as you head toward Ephesians chapter 2, let me remind you of a few things. If you're registered for class 301 of Next Steps, uh, that's today. We're starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon, and we'll end with dinner together at about 6 o'clock. And then ladies, this Friday night there is a painting activity. If you haven't registered for that, please do that this morning. Uh, Coming up on Saturday, the 28th in the morning, uh, there's an activity for kids and parents at jump time. And then on Sunday, the 29th, two weeks from today, we're having uh, Baptism Sunday. And if you or someone you know would like to be baptized that day, please uh, let us know about that. It's always a very special time, and we're looking forward to that day. Okay, here we go, Ephesians 2, and let's start a reading once again in verse number 19. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, we've looked at three word pictures in this passage. Uh, First, we saw Christianity portrayed as this citizenship in a city or country. And then we saw Christianity as a family called the household of God. Last week, we introduced the third word picture, which is God's building, and we carry that word picture here into verse 21, where now we find God's building being fitly framed together. The Spirit works miraculously to prepare the local church to serve God, to serve one another, to serve our community, and to send messengers to serve in the ends of the earth with the good news of the gospel. The building is fitly framed. And so let's talk about what that means here this morning, to be fitly framed. And the notes are provided in your bulletin if you want to follow along with us. If you're doing it electronically, they're on the YouVersion app. Let's talk about this first of all. The parts are all planned by the Spirit. The parts are all planned by the Spirit. Now, if you're going to build anything, uh, you have to know what parts you'll use for construction, whether you're going to build a a birdhouse or a doghouse or a people house. Uh, For a people house, you're going to need quite a few different systems, and every one of those systems will be guided by an engineer or contractor with a design format and a parts list. Uh, Think of the basic systems of foundation, uh, frame, roof, windows, doors, plumbing, electrical, HVAC, 
siding, gutters, soffits, fascia, uh, insulation, drywall, paint. Each of those systems has parts in it. And you got to know what the parts are and get them on site so that you can build. I don't know if you've ever bought a prefab uh, piece of furniture that all came in a box uh, or a metal storage shed, which uh, I unfortunately did once, and it had like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of parts. And I think actually Lucas Quarter, this many, many years ago, may have helped him come over to my house and help me figure it out. Uh, I even get stymied by the children's toys that have to be assembled, right? Uh, they give you this box, and you have to open it, and then there's parts everywhere. And kids are taking them, and dogs are taking them, and it's hard to figure it out. And it, sometimes they uh, come with a parts list. Have you ever seen the parts list? And, uh, and then every once in a while, they come with a useful diagram. Uh, other times, the diagram is not so useful, right? Have you ever built anything from Ikea? Oh, my goodness. It's, it's like torture. Sometimes you build it three times before you figure it out. And when it comes to building, especially when it comes to God's building, only the designer knows all the pieces that are necessary for the construction to take place. And, and God has already laid out the systems for the church. Uh, we don't get to come up with those on our own. They are basic foundational purposes uh, like worship, evangelism, fellowship, discipleship, and ministry. And within each system, God provides the parts for the local church to accomplish his kingdom purposes. Now, if you go to an architect and you tell him that you want a building constructed, uh, the first thing he needs to know is, what kind of building are you looking for, right? Is it, is it a house or a cabin or a storage building or a school, an office building? Uh, why does he ask that? <clears throat> well, in human terms, uh, form always follows function, right? You tell the architect the function, and he can design the form, but miraculously, in God's building, things move in the opposite direction. Uh, in the church, function follows form. Okay, so you look at how God has formed the body, how God has shaped the parts of the body, and then you'll know what functions uh, should be served with those parts. And there is no ministry without a God-shaped minister. Uh, I remember years ago, Amy and I worked in a, a, a church outside of Denver. Yeah, this is back in the mid-90s. And, and the pastor, uh, he was, he'd get so excited about things. Uh, I remember one Sunday he got up and he said, uh, there's a guy who wants to give us property for an orphanage. And man, we're excited about this. And property for the orphanage is uh, going to be given to us maybe this week. And, and then, like, he never talked about it again. Like, ever. And people are just like, whatever happened to the orphanage thing? And, and then like a month later, he got up and he said, you know, there's this uh, public school across town that closed down and, and it's empty right now. And we believe that God's going to give it to us for $1. And then after that, he never talked about it again. 
And <laughs> it was just weird. And, and sometimes as pastors, we have kind of those blind spots where we just get excited about stuff. And we just talk about it. And, and I remember being in churches where the pastor would get up and say, we need this ministry. And we need this ministry. And we need this ministry. But the truth is, you can't have a ministry without a minister. Right? So the best way to go at this is for God to shape the minister and then you can have the ministry. And, and so there's no ministry without a God-shaped minister. And each local church, each building of God has unique functions and features because the Spirit has formed them all differently. It's amazing uh, how God uses all kinds of churches to reach all kinds of people. Now, all churches have the same basic systems, but the Spirit allows them to function in a variety of ways. Now, go over to Romans chapter 12, and uh, let's see in Romans 12 some principles on how God's building is fitly framed together. And so, Romans chapter 12. Now, we talked about verse 1 last week about presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, being fully committed to God. That's our reasonable service. Uh, you can, you could, in the Old Testament, you could not offer half a sacrifice, right? You couldn't offer a quarter of a lamb. Uh, you, you had to offer the whole thing. And uh, verse number two uh, says, "'Be not conformed to this world, "'but be transformed by the renewing of your mind.'" that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so all of this leads us in the direction of God's will. But check out verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, According as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. Right? And, and so what a beautiful thing this is. God the Spirit is the designer. He's the one who deals to every man the measure of faith. There's no reason for us to compare ourselves with other believers uh, because God is the one who plans the parts, not us. And there's no reason to compare this church with another church. God gives every church what is necessary for that body to be fitly framed. Uh, I uh, get a kick out of how sometimes uh, people who are shorter, I won't mention any names, uh, but, but they have a certain height that God has given them, right? And they'll be next to somebody who is taller, and it's almost like sometimes the taller people, now most tall people are just very nice people, um, but sometimes taller people look down on the short people as if they have done something extraordinary, right? What did you do to make yourself tall, right? Uh, who made you different than somebody else? God did, right? Who made you to be able to sing? Yeah, this is another person not to be able to sing. Who made you to be able to uh, speak foreign languages easily and another person can barely speak English? Who made you like that? God did, right? And, and so the whole point of this verse is, why do you think you're all that when you've been gifted something by God? 
right? Uh, just because you can run fast, it doesn't make you any better than anybody else. God's the one who made you to run fast. Uh, God's the one who made you to be what you are. And, and so there's no reason to compare among ourselves. But as you go further into Romans 12, we see this, and this is the second part of our message. The parts are all distinct in form. The parts are all distinct in form. Look at verse number four. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, uh, prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Uh, we have different gifts. Within the local church, there are many different natural abilities. Right? Uh, some people can jump high, and some people can barely get off the ground. Right? How many of you can jump at least one inch off the ground? Okay, so there we go. Uh, some people uh, play musical instruments, and other people have trouble playing the radio. Right? So some people are electronic wizards. They can fix just about anything that runs on electrical power. Uh, other people are content with knowing how to turn a switch on and off. Uh, some people are expert gardeners, and some of us kill plants by looking at them. Uh, some folks have incredible people skills. They're great listeners, and they're great encouragers, and people love to be around them. And others have no people instinct at all. Right? It's just how they're made. They can't tell uh, when they're annoying someone else. They can't tell when they're making things uncomfortable. They just don't have that radar on them. Instead of getting frustrated with people who are different than we are, we should celebrate the different abilities and personalities that God has supplied because they're all necessary for His building, right? There are all sorts of distinct parts within the building. God uses both introverts and extroverts in the church. God uses uh, people with book smarts and people with street smarts. God uses organized people and unorganized people. And, and we have different passions and fields of focus. And uh, some in the body uh, are deeply concerned with children's ministries, uh, while others really don't want to be concerned with that and probably shouldn't be anywhere near children because when they get near children, they make them cry. Um, so, some people have a passion for meeting needs and they notice the needs of others. Uh, some people are focused on keeping facilities up and running. Some help with organization. And, and God gives us such unique passions so that we complement each other. Here's the thing. If every person at Centennial were just like you, the body would be severely limited, okay? And I'm not just picking on you. If every person here were just like me, it would also be severely limited. Uh, 
we just read that we have different spiritual gifts that have been given to us. And here's what you should know. We all have at least one spiritual gift. Every Christian, every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Yet no one has all the spiritual gifts. And and so we cannot expect that any person in this church should fulfill all the parts of the church because nobody has all the gifts. We need each other. Now, it's possible that there are some people uh, that you really relate to in the congregation because you have some of the same abilities and interests and maybe even spiritual gifts. But you know, God makes us especially unique through our life experiences. And when you combine spiritual gifts, uh, personality, natural abilities, interests, and life experiences, it is evident that there is no one exactly like you in this congregation. In fact, there's no one exactly like you in the entire world. Not one. You are a snowflake. Not that kind of snowflake. Like, your DNA, right? um, I didn't want to get any of the Republican right-wing people upset by calling you a snowflake here at church. Uh, but, But you're different, right? God has formed you different than anybody else. And your experiences are distinct in form. You are are a creature made of God wonderfully and fearfully. And uh, none of us has the same shape for service. Not a single one of us. God did that on purpose. Okay? He made us distinct in form. And number three explains why. The parts are all essential for ministry. The parts are all essential for ministry. There are parts of a building that you never see. But visibility is not used in measuring importance. Okay, the fact that you can't see the trusses and beams and supports does not diminish their role in any way. If we're being real about it, You could have a building without paint and trim and artwork on the walls, but you can't have a building without a framework of some kind, right? The the church is no exception. It is fitly framed together, and every part of God's building provides strength or encouragement. I want you to jump uh, from Romans 12 over to 1 Corinthians 12. And in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uh, uses the analogy of the human body to represent the church. And I want to walk through and see some principles that reveal how every part of the body is essential. And and so let's take it all the way back to the beginning of the word picture uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 and verse number 12. For as the body is one, it has many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether it be Jews or Gentiles, whether it be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And then he goes into 
this talk about the body. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? So Paul asked this question that everybody knows the answer to, right? If your foot says, hey, since I'm not the hand, I don't really want to be here. I'm not in this body anymore. Okay, I want to be a hand. And, and if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, <laughs> that'd look really weird, first of all. Right? It'd be like Monsters, Inc. type thing. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now God has set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. Look, folks, this is such a beautiful description of how the church works. Uh, have you ever gone to the hospital to, to visit a friend and, and you say, hey, before I take this elevator, uh, I need to open the top panel and check out the cables, right? Let's check out the elevator cables. And I got to make sure that the tank is full of hydraulic fluid. And I want to make sure that the elevator brake looks secure. That never happens, right? Now, you may think about those things, but you've never gotten on an elevator and open it up to you know, find out if it's working properly. Well, what do we notice when we get on an elevator? The music is really weird, right? Uh, we notice whether the floor is clean or not clean. And we also, why do we, why do we notice the floor? Because that's what you look at in the elevator. Especially if there's other people. You get in the elevator, and you stand there, and you look at the floor, Right? <laughs> Like, you can't say anything to the other people in the elevator. You just look at the floor. And if it's a long ride, it gets kind of uncomfortable. And so then that's when you notice whether it's hot or cold in there. Uh, so those are the things we notice. <clears throat> and really, in life in general, we notice surface issues. We notice visible parts instead of infrastructure. You've never seen your own heart Yet you've been relying on it second after second every day of your life. You've never seen your pancreas. Some of you did not even know you had a pancreas until eighth grade health class, right? But you need it to live. Uh, you've never seen your kidneys, but your blood absolutely has to be filtered. What's the point? Uh, way too often in the church, we take notice of surface issues, right? Visible talent, people on the stage, never realizing that every part of the church is essential, and that includes you. Uh, whether someone else diminishes your role in the church, or, or maybe you diminish your own role in the church, you are essential. God planned for you to be here. God distinctly formed you to be used for His glory here, 
Uh, right now, there are people holding babies next door so that we can have an uninterrupted service. This morning, uh, there's a small group that's serving in toddlers and in serve kids in the other building, just like there is every week. There are people greeting and leading classes. Uh, somebody comes in early on cold days to make sure that the sidewalks aren't slippery. Uh, somebody cleans. Somebody serves on security. Somebody runs live streams. Somebody designs and prints bulletins. And, and uh, some people manage sound equipment. There are people who count the offering. And people who volunteer in midweek ministries that maybe you never even attend. There are people throughout the week who uh, disciple others one-on-one. There are people who purposely and engage in fellowship, and people who diligently lift requests to God on the prayer chain. Just because you don't see all the parts doesn't mean they aren't there and that they aren't essential. See, God has fitly framed us together to care for one another and to serve this community for His glory. Now, I want to notice one more thing in our message this morning. The parts are all continuing in growth. Let's go back to our text. Yeah, the passage there in Ephesians 2 that we've gotten so familiar with. And I want you to notice the wording on this. In Ephesians chapter 2, yeah, let's read our theme verse for the day one more time. In verse number 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. Did you see that? In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth. It keeps growing. Now, I want you to skip ahead to Ephesians 4 and look down to verse number 14. Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together. It's almost the exact same wording as chapter 2. And compacted by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body uh, to the edifying of itself in love. God has designed for the body of Christ to keep growing in every part. Uh, Jesus gave himself for the church. Uh, Ephesians 5 says in verse 26 that he, he gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. God desires that the body keeps growing. And that means that every part of the body is called to keep growing. If you're not dead, God's not done. He's got more work to do in you and through you. And, and when you consider the parts used in building construction, uh, they, <laughs> once you put them in the building, they don't change in form or size, okay? At least you hope they don't. 
Uh, you don't want your building to, to undergo constant change. You don't want a, the parts to grow or shrink. And, and in your human body, uh, when you were an embryo, you were multiplying in total size uh, four times every single day at a certain rate of your embryo life. Uh, now, if that kept going, then you would be bigger than this building, right? And, and so that couldn't do that. And in fact, there's a, there's a point in your life where you feel like maybe you should stop growing, Okay, and I've gotten to that age where you feel like maybe you should stop growing. Uh, I was, still wouldn't mind growing a few more inches up, but that hasn't happened since I was like seven years old. So uh, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's the growing out that we like to stop, right? Uh, but when it comes to the body of Christ, we're supposed to keep growing all the time. And uh, that's the difference between God's building from what you find in a normal building, while the unique construction supplies for a building are static, okay? They're static. They don't change. The unique parts of God's building are variable, okay? They are designed to keep changing. You are designed to keep changing. And so I have to tell you, you are either moving forward or moving backward, but you're never staying the same, if you're a child of God, you are one of those parts. God has designed you for steady growth. God has designed you to become more like Jesus every day. But if you aren't growing, you're shrinking. See, there's a principle in God's word. Faith cannot remain static. Faith can't stay the same. There is no neutral in the Christian transmission. Okay, There's only drive or reverse. Now, many believers might admit, they say, look, I'm not moving forward. I haven't really moved forward in my Christian walk for years, they might say. But what they don't realize is that if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. Hebrews 2 and verse 1 says it this way, therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Lest at any time we should let them slip. In Jeremiah, in Jeremiah, this is called backsliding. Now, you thought that was just a Southern Baptist term that they came up with. That's actually a Bible term from the book of Jeremiah. And when you let a boat slip, it drifts wherever the wind and the waves take it. And uh, Christians don't lose their testimony for Christ on purpose they do it out of neglect. They let it slip. They drift. And I promise you that the wind and waves of this culture will never for one day move you closer to God. It's not going to happen. Uh, Christians don't abandon God's will on purpose. They drift. They let the things that they've learned slip. They let their commitments to God drift. They don't use their spiritual gifting and it never turns out to be a harmless drift. There's no such thing. It always ends up affecting them and their family and the entire body of Christ. And, and God has us all here for a reason. We are called to serve one another and encourage one another and support one another to continue in growth. Now let's talk about our faith challenge as we finish out this morning 
uh, in our faith challenge today, I, I want to ask you a question. It's a simple question that agrees with our, uh, our framework from Ephesians 2. How has God designed you for a ministry within his building? You know what would be tragic? If the Spirit of God planned you in a most special way, shaped you to serve in the local church with unique abilities and spiritual gifts, and you stubbornly refused to participate in God's plan, that would be a tragedy for you and the people you influence and for this local church. Uh, God's purpose is that you move forward, right? And, and uh, I have to let you in on another secret. God's purposes always go ahead whether we participate or not, right? God's purposes aren't going to be stopped because you don't participate. His purposes always move forward, but you'll miss out on eternal rewards. You'll miss out on satisfaction. You'll miss out on fulfillment in your life when you fight against the Spirit's leading instead of submitting to His will. And, and so God's building is fitly framed together. And you are an essential part. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, I thank you that we could come and get into your word once again. We thank you that the Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. And I pray right now that you would speak to our hearts. It could be, Lord, that there's somebody here who realized, if I'm not moving forward, if I'm not becoming more like Christ, I'm moving backward. I've let things slip. I'm drifting wherever the culture takes me. And I pray that today would be a wake-up call for all of us that you have called us and designed us to be used within the body of Christ and to serve you by serving others. Pray that you bless now as we serve you this week and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Let me have the ushers come and we'll receive our morning tithes and offerings as we close out the service today. You can give online.